women are scary. The podcast that celebrates people of color writing horror. Our Flash Fiction Friday guest is Kat, writer, reviewer, and co-host of The Ghouls Next Door. So let's lean in and listen to some scary women. decade that's doing it <laughs> yeah it's like a forced transformation yeah as well yeah so yes so this month closing out before we take a we take a, our winter solstice if you will for the holidays and for january um before we mm-hmm. you know we come back in february so we like to like end it strong and we did this monster of a story um which is like told in two parts, which we, you know, mm-hmm. typically don't do. We were usually like one and done, nice and short. Uh, but this one was a bit like epic. So I was like, okay, yeah. this is a lot of information to give people at once. Let me like cut this in half and give you yeah. like episode one and then episode two so that you can follow along. Like this is what's happening to this illegal mobile unit uh, to mm-hmm. rescue animals that are, you know, have been abandoned in this future burning australia so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, right yeah in, like the action for sure <laughs> yeah you're like right in the action um so yeah like first like what stood out for you we you know we've listened to both parts oh at goodness. this point um yeah. yeah what is standing out for you with this episode yeah i had to listen to it a few times honestly because like i felt like one I'm just not an auditory learner ironically as a podcaster I just think it's like (laughs) weird like you would think I would just be so good at listening to other things auditorily I like need to read it so Hmm. I like also like Gabe was my partner in crime uh was lucky who did the the sound design yeah yeah um and I was able to read it and like so much stood out in like both versions and I like took a bunch of notes and I was like oh my gosh this is so interesting because like everything just felt so intentional about mm. the piece, like the characters that they chose, the right. name of the story, um, the really like, they were touching on so many like current events even too in this like futuristic dystopian hillscape <laughs> that was also taking yeah. place. Or it was like fires, environmental damage, uh, human impact and like kind of mm. how there always is this curse of humanity that has this like, destructive capability that like is something we're always going to have to actively battle against Mm, Uh, mm. and yeah that like that climate change currently and as it progresses could make humans feel alien on their own planet that like maybe that's already how animals feel like there's just a lot yeah like heavy emotional pieces but also just like every single intentional element of it connected back to something that was very real and current despite the fact it was like in a very future yeah it feels like it didn't feel like far away in the future it felt like near future right Mm -hmm. um considering that you know the fires in australia and what they're doing to combat them is real and it's happening now. Like I just watched that second season of down to earth with Zac Efron on Mm -hmm. Netflix and it's all about Australia because he got stuck there 
yeah. with the shutdown. So he's like, oh, well, then we're just going to do, we're going to explore this whole part Area. of the world and look at everything. And there is an episode that's just about, here's what we're doing to combat the fires and, mm-hmm. and a sanctuary farm that took oh, in fine. a bunch of animals um, during those fires so that they, they weren't even this particular couple that did that, that's not even what they were doing. Like they, they had like a, I don't know, their farm was out there and they were doing some like farm to table, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. like something else. And then they became a rescue unit. And so it was funny to oh, watch wow. that and be like, oh, this is like the beta version of this episode that we have yeah. on our podcast. It's like, you, you take that whole idea because they didn't necessarily do plan to do it or get like governmental funding to do that you know like they're like a nonprofit having to like raise money and all these things um and they just took in the same thing they're like we're taking in the baby kangaroos we're taking in all these like animals that had the koalas that couldn't escape any of the fires Mm -hmm. um so it was kind of wild to see that and be like zach efron just did this and Mm -hmm. And it connects I so heavily. Story. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, and it just took, takes that idea. And as you said, it's kind of, it like runs with it. It's like flash yeah. forward, maybe like five or 10 years in the future. Yeah. Like flash forward. And also just like so honest about what people would do once mm-hmm. like people are just totally given up on actually trying to save the planet that they would be dragon hoarding capitalistic monsters that are like don't care about the animals despite the fact biodiversity is literally the only thing that will save the planet long yeah um and they're just like sitting in their big cities and like roaring at anybody who's like trying to actually solve the problem because they think they know everything yeah the idea when they yeah when the when that other police unit comes and they're like one of you we you know like just that whole moment of like you are not supposed to be using any of these supplies for anything other than human beings Mm -hmm. and then we've just prioritized and and like we're so openly and outwardly centering ourselves that way yeah and that there's a police force that goes out does that just that like that just like a nice nod to a cab like even in this futuristic society that that is very much still in need of of happening like i'm like so we have the budget to send you out there but we can't we don't have the budget to like pay one of you like i don't yeah we have the budget to like continue to punch down and like hurt people and well also like simultaneously like hurting themselves and all the animals. like it was really wild it was like where you were saying you're needing to hoard all these resources then why do you need these people going around and like just wasting them essentially like yeah. what, what harm were they doing rescuing these animals like, right and, in reality and and how much did you spend to get them to stop you know exactly and, and also the fact that there used to be like she didn't they didn't build this tanker it used to be something that we did and it was like, it sounded like it was a project or an initiative mm-hmm. that we abandoned. Yeah, Like that the, the, the fires got so bad that we were just like, we can't even do it. Yeah. No, Which I'm is, sure that's probably part of what it was. Or even like, yeah. it was like a just a farm to table. And then they were just like, dang, now we have all this responsibility. Uh, we got to do it right. <laughs> yeah, like much like, much like that episode 
on down mm-hmm. to earth. It's like maybe one of was that like it was originally an RMV RV unit <laughs> or something, and now it's like a mobile hospital. You know, like yeah, most um, of occasion. But she mentioned, you know, the protagonist mentioned when the when the animals came in that oh, they remember when when these ambulances used to used to pick them up so that they they knew mm-hmm. to get in to get in this like big. I'm imagining like some like big like tank or kind of like tank kind of thing like this sort of like big like Mad Max Fury Road (laughs) type of thing like maybe like spikes and stuff on the outside just to like or maybe not spikes but definitely like it can go through fire so it's like it's really rustic looking on the outside but on the inside it's like a little hospital like the inside and the outside would be very different that's what I was imagining in my mind like it could be in space even too right Right. Like tying back to like them feeling like aliens on their own planet. Like this looks like we're on an entirely different planet in a spaceship that's like saving all the animals and this kind of futuristic, but also like, as you said, like a tanker, like something that's ready to fight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, almost like, like a giant Hummer type. <laughs> I was imagining almost like, like a Hummer, but like with like, oh, because funny. they could run around inside of it. So I'm like, so I think it's yeah. really big um and it did feel yeah it did feel very like of the world of Mad Max like things that you would see there uh and and it's funny that you say outer space because at one point she comes on and she's like it looks like Mars so like Mm -hmm. earth looks like Mars now yeah which is just so crazy because it's like I I went back and listened to like one of your other episodes and it was all about Mars I was like oh it's well like this theme is very congruent with each other that all the episodes are connecting in some kind of way uh in that like on the episode I listened to like they are actually in outer space like trying to build up Mars and like in this one Earth feels like Mars now like we feel like we're aliens on our own planet because we've destroyed it to the point that it might as well just be that we've traveled to some other planet and are just Mm. still trying to survive yeah and then it it ties into you were saying the intentionality of who's on the ship. Uh, and that mm-hmm. was something that, you know, in our author interview with Amin, I talked to him about like, who do you think is going to really store it in the green future because of who was centered in this? Like it was, you know, yeah. very international crew. Uh, it felt, you know, it was like both people who aren't native to Australia and also like immigrants of, um, you know, kind of like hyphenated identities and mm-hmm. all of them at one point were involved in, in destroying the planet and felt yeah. and felt bad about it. <laughs> and, we're, yeah. and we're like, that's why we're doing this because we owe, which I thought was an interesting stance, like yeah. to, ha- to have all the characters kind of be guilty as well. Yeah, it, it reminds me of like nonprofit culture, uh, which I know we've <laughs> talked about off, uh, where it's just like, <laughs> the power of shame and guilt and how that impacts like and like the trauma that everyone's experienced on this crew and how that just like impacts the like deep need to do better Mm. and that like you have like all these people who are all like one doing this illegally so I don't imagine they're getting paid for their work right compensated right I I don't know how they're eating you know (laughs) yeah exactly um and like they're all stretching themselves so thin because like this work needs to happen but like the government isn't doing it themselves so like they're also like this like ragtag group of like just like traumatized and just trying their best Mm. people who also recognize that like the inaction of like the generations 
yeah. that like super like their parents there's like so much parental trauma there yeah they um, talk like, about their families a lot I mean well, she talks about her families a lot so then there's like this mm-hmm. cultural aspect of it too like there yeah. were clearly for all of them and in particular for the woman that is centered like there were cultural rules there were things that she was supposed to do that they were supposed to like live up to and they've rejected them to do mm-hmm. this which I think is a fascinating thing like yeah that you have to go against family to stand with the earth that's what it felt mm-hmm. like to me at least 100 percent. yeah it, it definitely gave like that vibe of like the generations like before it's like even like thinking of like our own generational situations currently that like a lot of the generations before us did not care about the planet they only were like we live now there is no Mm. future like foreshortened future or whatever uh and like they were like we're not worried about what future generations will have to deal with and then Mm. like we have all the millennial and gen z and like the young people uh and like even some gen x you know like the people working all together in terms of like realizing like oh no the damage that has been done the, they still don't care and like we're yeah. have we're we have to inherit this version of the earth like we have right. to save it otherwise like what will there be like there's just right. like more urgency right yeah there. no that was because really we've run out like all the environmentalists are like the time to have done something was 10 15 years ago so at yeah. this point it's it is just kind of like we are wanting it like we are the mobile unit who's just gonna have to make the best of it yeah and, just as like a fun fact yeah uh i like actively so for ghouls next door which is the podcast we did a climate episode and i found this like horrifying little clock that warns you how much time you have left before the planet's permanently damaged Mm. oh nice it's just it's just like really stressful like a doomsday clock 100 uh very don't look up energy uh so we have six years 230 days Mm. and 23 hours before the planet is irreparably damaged like beyond repair so we do still have time but we're so close six years to is that. not shit i'm sorry <laughs> yeah that's like nothing there's like, like not any time we have to delay. stop it's this also podcast like a little and TV get window. on it right now <laughs> no i mean there's reasons that like climate activists are like losing their yeah sanity because yeah. of like just like how urgent this is and like the level of like we have to reach like zero emissions in the next six years or it's like and or yeah that's it witnessing our government like do we think they're gonna actively in the next six years rally together enough to make that kind of impact that like won't land us in this one year situation where like we're in this future that has a destroyed and decimated planet that has like temperatures and fires and all this other stuff yeah so it's like you're so right. We have very little time. We need to actively be doing stuff now, but we're also like all just balls of trauma. Mm. So it's like, how are we going to do that at the same time? So we have to like heal and ourselves and the planet simultaneously somehow in this like chaotic and maybe like a legal way as the people. Yeah, the illegal, the illegalist, the illegal or like, you know, kind of black market environmentalism that was happening in mm-hmm. this story. Uh you know, and the fact that the healing of us and the, and the animals became parallel, right? Mm -hmm. Like they were like, it's not just us, 
it's not just us rescuing them. It's also them rescuing us. Like when they attacked the police, like, which I thought was really great. Like everybody, like all, yeah. all hands on deck and like- Even animals are about it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I had to like Google what a wallaby is and it's really just like a giant mouse. So like just the idea that like a mouse, like yeah. they just be like, <laughs> and like <laughs> jumping at somebody's face, which is probably going to be terrifying because mice, you know, yeah. even small mice scare people. So if it was big- yeah I'm like I believe it I believe they could disarm or at the very least surprise a police person um mm-hmm. but that moment where it's like no we're all going to come together to get out of this situation and get to this sanctuary space and then also that there was a sanctuary that there was like yeah. a a huge dome thing somewhere out in the middle of nowhere full of people that were just like we're going to just make this happen and they had a hospital yeah. and they had like all these things going on and she had that moment to sort of see that and be like, if this can happen, then perhaps we can, we can heal. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it had this sort of like hopeful ending. Like we may not be able to start, stop the fires, but we can somehow survive and thrive. Yeah. Which and felt for sure. Nice. Like I, I was like, <laughs> I needed, I needed that at the end of this. A little hope. Yeah. <laughs> I needed like, that at the end oh, of this, okay. or I was going to stick my head in the oven. <laughs> Yeah, because it feels so real like it was like it's a hard listen in that like it doesn't feel like a distant future uh no no and that you need that little hope that somebody's doing something about it you know that like some progress is being made that you can use the stress of international politics for good in that they were like if they go in this area that's protected by this government, then they like lose their funding and oh, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Like a little nod at the end where I was like, that's hilarious. Cause 100% that is exactly how it would go down. Like the only reason they won't follow them through this little area is cause like the threat is they'll lose money. Yeah. And, and resources. And, and some of the crew yeah. were surprised. They were like, they still get funding. Like, because it seemed like they were so rich and so powerful. And it's like, no, they actually are taking a handout from somebody else that has more money. Yeah. They're real. They're actually also a charity case or they're actually like this police. It felt like a, a police state was chasing mm-hmm. them down. And then it sounded like at the end of the day, they were a nonprofit <laughs> to go back to your, <laughs> it was like, it's like, I think that whole government is a nonprofit organization <laughs> that's, that's like yeah. beholden to this funder. So yeah, has to do with the funder once, even if it's not the right thing or damaging in some way, or it's just for like image and not good. <laughs> what a time. Yeah, that because of the realness of, of how these people rescued themselves and, and the animals, it doesn't feel like fiction, mm-hmm. right? It almost is like, maybe this is a documentary. <laughs> like is this what's happening in order Kimberly you know and I remember when when um I I believe I spoke to the author about this like the fires that happened in California and in my you know my family's in Oregon so Mm. the at there was also fires that were happening in Oregon and the ash so during during the shutdown at one point my parents were staying in and they also had masks on because when they went out, there was so much ash oh, that they couldn't yeah. like really breathe. And it was just like the sky was this mustard color. So I don't know if you remember that time when like yeah. people were sending in pictures, people were posting pictures who lived in you know LA or San Francisco or anywhere on the Western, on the West coast 
and they were like yeah. this is what it looks like outside and it was just and it did look like mars like it was just it was a red planet because of just all the ash yeah and smoke from the fires that just kept going they just kept going um yeah so my parents had like this whole thing worked out with their air conditioner that was kind of recycling the air so it was kind of like being on an airplane the whole time but in their house <laughs> because yeah. there was that was that was just what was happening outside and that was really scary because at the you know with COVID it's like okay well you can wear a mask you can do these things to prevent getting you know yeah getting this virus but you wearing a mask and staying inside because the air is just toxic I can't even do anything I can't do anything about that yeah no it's like a different level of fear and also just like helplessness in that kind of situation so that had to be definitely hard it's also also weird for your parents to send you pictures of the sky and it's mustard yeah 100 (laughs) yeah the sky usually is not it goes against all like the things they teach when you're growing up the sky is blue no it's not it's not blue here so yeah the sky sometimes asterisk the sky is blue asterisk except for when (laughs) yeah we we let the planet burn yeah like nobody told me this no like nobody said this in school that this was even a thing that I would have to like mitigate manage and figure out how to navigate and any of that so there's also just kind of that sense of like I don't what 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 are the steps like okay I bring my own bag I don't use plastic like what do you want me like in in some ways it's just like going back to the story again of them just kind of like pull up the bootstraps we're going to get in a tanker and we're just going to go out there into the fire into the fire and like walk past like burnt corpses and try to get the ones that are not you know and that's just like what they were doing it's like is that what it is do I just need to go like randomly I can't even go randomly pick up garbage somewhere and put it away because then like where does it go do I just need to start burning like what are the things? Cause I feel like yeah. they, all the steps that they were given, like reuse, recycle. And it's like, none of you were lying. Like we need yeah. like huge governmental intervention. And I'm a little, I feel a way cat <laughs> about, yeah. no, 100%. Um, I feel a way about it being like, well, you know, like the responsibility being on the individual. And it's like, no, I, I brought my own bag and like, that's not enough. And you know, it's not enough. I recycle all the things and it's like, so what? I can make art out of plastic, but so what? Like you got it. You need to hold up your end. That was, so it's really, this connects really great to the thought. I also have like something else that just really stood out to me in the story is that like how fast big government can destroy within seconds the mm. hard work of like activists and environmental protectors mm. uh like if you think of just even like the short period of time that trump was in office the amount of climate damage that he did just personally in his time yeah. like it's it's something that like we are just so close to always being on the edge of this like destructiveness to the planet and that it's like so dependent upon what governments are doing because they're the ones doing all the damage like as you said like we can make plastic art and we can like (laughs) recycle our own stuff we can teach ourselves how to garden so that we're less dependent upon like the farming industry and whatever but like 
at the end of the day, the damage that is done quickly and like totally without our own personal impact is that of the government, like dumping things into the water, not regulating industries that are like destroying areas of the planet or like not doing restorative practices when they're like deforesting places. You know what I mean? Like it's all stuff that happens so fast and that like at the end of the day, like the individual doesn't have control of it unless we are like overthrowing the government, but like also like there's chaos within that. That's like, yeah, what do we do? What is the right action? Yeah. In these kinds of moments. And that's like you kind of see that in this story, at least, like the reality is that like what they were doing is illegal because illegality is defined by someone (laughs) and is it actually like a more like is it illegal like should that be illegal and like is crime quote unquote what is necessary in order to make the change that is necessary to save the planet and like that's Mm -hmm. a whole discussion in and of itself yeah Uh, which this whole story has but doesn't have right like at the end of the mm -hmm. day it's really just about this group of people healing and taking care of one another and by extension then taking care of the animals that they rescue yeah that's it that's like that's really what it's about um yeah her coming to terms with like maybe I can reconcile with my family yeah they mentioned binoculars a few times where it's like they're just like they're the zoomed in image of the big picture with the binoculars uh, yeah yeah and that's really that's it you know but they are in fact criminals Mm mm-hmm I mean, this is a story that's about a band of criminals. Yeah. time when the fires would happen in California and and it was like big news Mm -hmm. it was like oh my gosh there was a time not that long ago yeah we're a forest fire going on for for like (laughs) a few days for a week was a big deal yeah and now it's seasonal yeah like people expect it to happen and then it's like how do you fight that when you're not looking at it we just covered uh, Centralia, which is like on the ghouls. And it was very much that, like the town was burning for 20 years, like two decades. Uh, and they just got used to it because they didn't mm. know what it was like. They stopped trying to put the fires out. They just kind of got used to it burning. They said, you're just going to keep doing that. Uh, and they like didn't talk about it until like mm. the like people were falling into sinkholes and like uh, literally like carbon monoxide was seeping into people's homes and like the government Wait, had to be like again? you have to leave this isn't real centralia isn't pennsylvania no this is real this is a real thing oh my god uh, happened in Cent- <laughs> uh, we just covered it on the ghouls like this is a real thing uh there was there's a town that silent hill is based off of uh we just did an episode about it uh and it's like there were fires there because they were built on coal mines and like for 20 years like two decades people just lived in like symbioticness with this fire and Mm. the fire was like 
causing sinkholes in the town. And it wasn't until like a child fell into the sinkhole and like carbon monoxide poisoning was like rampant because it was like seeping into people's homes uh, that the government like evacuated the town. But it took yeah. 20 years of just coexisting with this fire and people being like, it's not, it's, it's fine. We just live in fire now. That's just what life is. And we're just, we're doing it. This is, I'm not leaving my home. Like what? We're staying here and no one's going to tell me like, there's people who literally like sued the government so that they could stay in the fireplace. Mm. So like, it really is like the adaptability of humans is also like our detriment because we get mm. used to things so quickly in like yeah. how the planet is changing and that there's ways that like we need to not just get used to it we also need to try to change it like yeah parts you know it's beautiful <laughs> and it's also a problem right yeah. like it's like I love mm -hmm. that we can adapt to just anything and that makes me feel hopeful because if we don't do anything in six years whatever the planet is going to be we're going to adapt and our whole bodies might change and we might have this to go back to like what you were saying I listened to this other the episode from last month which is becoming Martians which is about like an entire gene yeah. therapy to be be native to Mars right like that was yeah. like the dad was like no I'm becoming a Martian for real <laughs> like no no no, we're doing it um yeah we're gonna survive uh even if that changes every fabric of who we are yeah it's gonna change like, me on a other people level. will die too yeah. yeah 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 so like that was so that's actually you know that's a wonderful thing that humans can do but it's like but there are times when we should not accept yeah and so it's like, knowing, like action needs to happen too. Yeah. It's know. knowing when those times are right. It's like when, what is it? Ex uh, change the things. Accept what I cannot change. And, yeah. And change what I cannot accept, you know? And it's like, where is yeah. that line? Cause then you have people who are like, I want to eat my, you know, they don't believe in climate crisis. They don't believe in any of these things. And they just want to like have their burgers and whatnot. And they're like, you don't take away my burgers. Cause that's what that means. Yeah. If you like deal with, you, you know, you reduce the meat intake um, to reduce the environmental damage and impact that having all those cows does, you know? Um, yeah. People are like, but I want, I need to have my ribs. And it's like, but maybe you don't though. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe, I mean <laughs> maybe you can have ribs like once, a year <laughs> like yeah. do you need it every weekend <laughs> you know yeah you know it's like we don't have to be it doesn't have to be an all or nothing I think that's also probably I feel like that's also part of the problem that like both sides are very like all or nothing and yeah. I know we had like to your point we have six years so we have to do some major things yes for sure yeah but there are some things where it's like if you just didn't do this every day there's an dope. impact yeah <laughs> there's yeah for sure like there's like big impact that can be made and there's also like not enough attention given like there's lots of headlines that exist but there's not enough attention given to like the activists who are actively doing the work that like will help this stuff like there's like the whole ozone thing and there was like this old man it was tiktok so like take it with a grain of salt i guess but it was like there's this yeah. old man and he was like they were telling us the world was going to be like we were going to have like ice ages, like fire and climate change was going to do this. If the ozone layer didn't get fixed, we could boil eggs on the street or whatever. Like there was like really just going into like conspiracy theory level stuff. Uh, and then like the younger generation like clapped back at him and was like, actually like, yeah, the ozone layer was doing that thing, but we did work and we fixed a lot of the ozone layer. So like now those 
prophesized things aren't happening, of course, because we did the work to fix it, but no one talks about that. So it's like, it's not mm. like it wasn't ever a problem. It's that like people did something to fix the problem so that it wasn't news anymore. Uh, so like, there's not like recognition to like the work that has been done or like is being done to actually like do these restorative things to the yeah. planet. It does feel very doom and gloom. That was like our main critique with like, uh, don't look up. It's like, there's like this inevitability that like we have, it's just gonna happen. So don't do anything to stop it kind of thing. Mm. But there are people like actively doing stuff to stop it. So it's like, there's hope too. So it's like nice that this story specifically ended like on a hopeful note and like, yeah, because that's I like, think... that's where you need to exit out of it, you know, right, is that right. like, there is something positive to be done and like being done actively, even if it is illegal and not in the news. Uh, right, right, right. And I think also the whole doom and gloom is lazy. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the doom yeah. and gloom, what it allows you to do is give up. Yeah. You don't have to be held accountable. You don't have to try. You don't have to go out and vote. Yeah. You it's like a, a living martyrdom, you know? Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. Can't do yeah. anything about it. Just got to let it be. Eventually I'll die and it won't be my problem no more. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. Like, no, actually, if you've spawned, it will be your problem. Like your kids will yeah. have to deal with this for the rest of their lives and so on. But yeah, what a time. Indeed. Uh, so then possible sequels yeah I think they set up a bunch honestly or like prequels even like there are a lot of opportunities for prequels too where you can get like background mm. on like all these really interesting characters uh yeah. that all come from like interesting backgrounds and that like they all set up that like they've all experienced very unique things we have like the character who had like the fire situation with his family we had the character that had uh, her family was a part of the selling land to get resources. Yeah, have... it was like a water. It was like water politics that like they were doing. They were mm -hmm. like selling with things to get like clean water or something. Yeah, and then you have like Tara, who like her family backstory as well as like this opportunity to heal with her family and also like bring them on board to this like mission. Mm. of like helping the planet um that like that could set up a sequel either if you go backwards or forwards because like they set it up at the end like in that hopeful moment that like maybe she can reconcile with her family um and then like also like the future where Kobar like he's they always like yeah they were yelling about how like he inherits everything like what mm -hmm. is he inheriting like that could be a sequel uh yeah so where it just stars Kobar and he's like older because mm -hmm. he's a teenager yeah, he's like 16. Yeah, so like just like set it 10, 15 years where he's grown and you know these these folks are his elders and what does it look mm -hmm. like? Yeah. Uh, I'm also What's the next I think generation it, even. Yeah. Right. I'm also interested in and I think in Nikau cuz wasn't he like a he worked for the police at one point? Yeah, he had a he was from New Zealand, I believe, and he, he was the one whose family got damaged in fire. And he was very scared of the fire, but he was also an ex-cop. And like, he was a part of his journey was like unpacking that like shame he felt for yeah. working with the police and stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. there was a lot with him the, too. The prequel where he's a cop in like, maybe it's about probably like five or some odd years before this moment. And like mm -hmm. watching him get to the point where he quits and does like this about yeah. face is I think a whole... <laughs> yeah like six seasons in a movie 
Yeah, I want this to be a show because like there's so many opportunities of just like backstory arcs, like just like that, where you have like Mikau and his like origin into like this work and like his transition out of being a part of like the oppressive operation and like all of that stuff. And like they say that he's a Maori man, so he was indigenous as well to like New Zealand. Mm. So like that's like a big thing too. Mm. Uh, And like dealing with like what his like family might have thought of him being a cop and like all of that stuff too that's like whoa <laughs> it, it like writes itself yeah in its own way. <laughs> like there's yeah. so much opportunity for more story I definitely agree yeah I would love I would love like some tv back things and then like some movies uh I'd love it if this was a movie <laughs> and then the next thing with Kovar like in the future you know do the sanctuaries take hold do yeah. we reverse any of it? it like seeing past this since this already sees into deep into like a climate crisis like seeing past it to like okay we figured out how for australia not to burn what does restoring it look like which is what i think mm-hmm. kobar's future would be like that mm-hmm. um people would figure eventually i mean things can't burn forever so eventually yeah. it's gonna stop burning and then it's like and then how do we rejuvenate all of this like how do we how do we bring this yeah. back or even like, like how humanity evolves in that time too like maybe it's like 50 to 100 years or more like in the future and like humanity has developed different ways of surviving like maybe they can breathe in the fire like maybe I don't know maybe we yeah. go into the water like you know like there's so many like offshoots that could exist from like the planet changing so drastically that even humanity either ceases to exist or evolves yeah like, it changes. biologically right. to change we're right. thinking like nk jemison or something like you know like right nk jemison or octavia butler where it's like yeah and then we are not even we don't even look the same our mm-hmm. physiology our physiology is not the same anymore if we're yeah. gonna keep doing this yes indeed um <laughs> So all of those, so we'll just tell, I mean, Chihilnavi to write all these things. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just be like, we want a whole series. Uh, and yeah. yeah, give us that. We're just gonna put yeah. out a request to you, my dude. Uh, so yeah. now we get like into- donate to <laughs> the people and the things, <laughs> like get it, get more writing for sure. Right, right. Um, so then it brings us to our little travels, which we both forgot to do because we were just too busy listening to this thing and thinking about burning futures. Um, yeah. But we wrote something real quick at the beginning of this, at the beginning of this recording, everybody. So I ended up writing a letter. Ooh. Yeah. From like, like one of those, like back in the day when people used to write in letters to, to columns. And it would be like hopeful, you know, like desired in Denver or whatever it is. Like, <laughs> like I wrote yeah. a thing like that. Um, so that's what I did. What did you do? Um, I hope I didn't like ruin my little travel thing because I like said some of the things in terms of like ideas, but like it was, yeah, it was more of like a reaction to like. I tried to be poetic in it, but it was more just like a reaction to like what the story really made me think about. And then like some of the, it like how just like the characters and this like siloed look and how this was playing out 
circled back to like this overview of the bigger impact on the planet so yeah it was just like I was trying to be poetic I guess but also I just wrote like a paragraph Uh, okay yeah do you want to share it sure uh do I have to read it in like a narrator voice like all fancy I'll let my voice acting chops yes I want to hear it (laughs) oh no I'm I'm gonna disappoint (laughs) (laughs) you offered it so I'm like I want to hear your fancy narrator voice no just be yourself it's fine It's interesting, the intersection of shame and guilt and trauma when looking at healing others. The tasks our generation and the ones after us have been given, all while being traumatized by our parents, our reality, and the cruelty of humanity's impact. Healing something as vast and important as our planet when so many of us are backed into different kinds of corners. The realization of truth that to help others, we also have to help ourselves. The idea that we need to put the air mask on ourselves, but also recognizing the urgency of what we're facing. We are in such a pivotal moment, so a lot of this work has to be done simultaneously, healing ourselves while we heal each other and the earth. That's like the monologue that happens for the opening credits of the show. That is one. Yeah, that's what that's because it sounded like you know unto every generation a slayer is born (laughs) space the final frontier these are the voyages (laughs) like that's what that sounded like i was like oh this is the thing that opens up the show (laughs) heck yeah (laughs) this is what it is that's what you did so you wrote the opening monologue to monologue to season one of one (laughs) um mine is just like yeah like i said like a write-in so it says Dear Sanctuary, thank you for the work that you do. My husband and I lost our farm and our home six months ago and have been relocated to the Dome halfway house nearby. It's been hard to keep hope alive with so much despair. But hearing about your work, knowing that there are people saving what is left and taking care of our planet Mother Earth makes me believe that we will find a way out of this. Sincerely, lovingly hopefully Kimberly oh I love that it ends hopeful just like the story yeah um I don't know why and obviously it wouldn't even be a letter because I don't think there'd be a postal service in this future but it might just be like a weird like signal sent you know like yeah <laughs> like text message or like we read video call or something or, like that uh, yeah right. I don't know what it would be an email but yeah an email maybe um but it did have me thinking about like everybody else at that sanctuary or other people who are being displaced who are mm-hmm. having their home you know because this is happening like their homes are burning down they're losing their home their land their farm their this their that and they're being relocated to someplace else and like that's it yeah right like that is that's a thing that's happening now so it's like then that would be happening there and how would they feel about hearing about Wania? Mm-hmm. yeah and like the hope that that brings to like continue and like inspire like the inspiring nature of just like doing something meaningful and that that like impact in ways that like you can't even fathom for sure so I just said it was like what about what about just being a regular lay person 
in in this in this you know and hearing about the heroics their heroics like they they took over to hear about the one that took over the the police they took over the police truck and then they then they they left them there like they beat them up and they add the animals with the animals and you know just like the whole how would you retell it as somebody who wasn't there you know like what would the rumors then become about about them Mm -hmm. Um, well because it also yeah it like depends on like where you are in society too like are you benefiting from this world or are you actively being hurt by it as well right like like, as you said like the people who were on the ship even like that they likely came from situations that like they weren't getting the good parts of the city yeah you know yeah yeah so then like like, they'd be rooting for the people doing the the crime in quotes yeah (laughs) yeah and then what, and that, that's a whole other show. Like, what's it like in the dome cities if you are benefiting and you hear about these things and you're like, who these mo- like, illegal <gasps> mobile bandits? Yeah. Taking our resources. Yeah. They're, yeah. They'll be the, our downfall when, like, really, they're the ones mm. doing the work that will save everybody in spite yeah. of all these people. Yeah. It really is, it makes me think of that show, The Expanse, where it's like, it's really that dense, mm-hmm. right? Like there's the dome city living, then there's the out out in the outback living, and we need mm-hmm. five to six seasons to understand and live in this world. <laughs> yeah, we really do. Uh, okay, so what are you up to? This, like, this last part is just like, who you are, what you do, tell us what you've got, like, coming up. And sure, yeah. More about your work. Yes, I'm a part of the Ghouls Next Door. Uh, We are a media analysis podcast that unpacks like the horror genre as well as just like media in general and how society impacts that work uh, or how it has been like in both ways, like impacted by and then further impacts. So my better half game does like the media analysis piece. And I I contribute sometimes, but like I, I usually end up doing the historical like why are people like this the more like anthropological (laughs) like why why are they trash what made them trash like what is how do all these things connect and like also like who (laughs) who is influencing this media and like why are certain things highlighted so it's like the historiography of people is kind of what I cover and then Gabe covers like the film or the media the book video game whatever the media ends up being uh Mm. and like what it's really saying underneath of just like the fun you know because a lot of people will watch media passively Mm. uh and Gabe's whole thing is like well let's like unpack like what is actually being said by this piece what is what do you want to take away from it what are next steps if it's like some sort of like meaningful political statement within the film or whatever um so we do that and then I also draw a bunch uh with uh cat draw stuff and things so i usually just make like anime or like sad art so i do that too sad art all Um, right (laughs) yeah it's just art that's like i experienced depression look at it (laughs) nice in art form uh and then also just like look at this cool anime character that i drew in a way so yeah those are the two things that i do mostly (laughs) wonderful and where can we find out about the ghouls next door and also about your sad art Yes. Uh, Ghouls Next Door, we are all places you find podcasts. We have a channel on YouTube and uh, we have a website, theghoulsnextdoor.com. 
uh, we're, we do weekly podcasts. So you can find us every week doing, talking about stuff. We just talked about Centralia next year. We're talking about like new year, new me. Uh, we're kind of recovering old topics slash also like possibly decades and how that influenced the horror genre. So if any of that mm. interests you, uh, keep an eye out. Um, and then for art, I just post on my Instagram, sometimes other places and check it out if you're interested. No pressure though. Uh, the ghoul stuff is definitely more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want people to like follow your sad art. Where, so if they did want to follow you on Instagram, where would they do that? Uh, just cat draws stuff and things. And then on Twitter, cat draws. <laughs> if Twitter continues to exist, yeah, I'll be there too. But <laughs> yeah. I like that. Cat just draws the- stuff and things. Thank you for tuning in to our Flash Fiction Fridays. Support spooky black chicks with a tax-deductible contribution through the link in the bio or by leaving a rate and review. Tune in next week for our early final Friday episode where we speak with featured author Amin Chahalabi. Till next time.